You are listening to Center Focus, a podcast for community health centers brought to you by Commonwealth Purchasing Group. Thank you for joining us for Center Focus, brought to you by Commonwealth Purchasing Group, the nation's leading GPO for community health centers and nonprofits. My name is Sean Horrigan, and I'm thrilled to welcome Mark Robledo, founder and president of the Crossroads Group, and Paloma Hernandez, CEO and president of Urban Health Plan, to talk about patient satisfaction surveys. Today, we will discuss the importance of surveying your patient population, how to conduct a survey, how to interpret the results, and how to use them to implement change. But before we begin, let me give you a little bit of background on our guests. Mark Robledo is the president and CEO of the Crossroads Group. The Crossroads Group has over 15 years of experience providing surveys for community health centers and nonprofit organizations. Prior to founding the Crossroads Group in 2003, Mark served as an organizational process improvement consultant. He also served as vice president of HRSA. Through engagements with clients in a wide range of industries, Mark recognized the need for actionable client, stakeholder, and employee surveys. Mark has been a frequent speaker for various primary care associations, as well as as with us here at Commonwealth Purchasing Group. Paloma Hernandez is the President and Chief Executive Officer of Urban Health Plan, a network of health centers located in the South Bronx, Central Harlem, and Northwestern Queens. Through her leadership and vision, Paloma has built Urban Health Plan into a first-class healthcare organization. From its humble beginning as a one-site local community health center, Urban Health Plan is now the largest employer in the area, one of the largest community health centers in New York State, and is considered a significant economic anchor and engine that has contributed to the resurgence of the local Bronx area. Paloma has devoted her career to reducing health disparities in the Bronx community, which has been identified as the poorest congressional district in the country. This commitment is reflected in the many achievements and successes of the organization under her leadership. Paloma and Mark, welcome to Center Focus, and thank you for joining us today. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Wonderful. Paloma, let me begin with you. Can you share with our listeners what prompted you to conduct a survey in the first place and engage with Mark? And what type of data were you hoping to garner through the survey? So I wish I could, I wish, though, I don't wish I could say a survey uh, because it's been probably at this point um, tens of thousands of surveys, right? Um, And Mark, I don't recall how long we've been doing this now. We 2007, I believe, was 2007. Wow. Wow. So um, all the way back in 2007, we wanted to be able to assess people's satisfaction, patient satisfaction with our services. And our chief medical officer uh, was was really clear um, 
that he wanted this to be an objective process. And so we had also built um, our pay for performance program, our provider pay for performance program, and had built in uh, a patient satisfaction component that providers would get incentivized for. And he really felt strongly that that should not ever be perceived as subjective, but um, very objective. And so we, after attempting to do somewhat of a survey um, internally, um, one of our, actually our chief development officer at that time, met uh, Mark at a conference and connected him with us. And we had a conversation about what we wanted to do. And between himself, the chief medical officer, on and, and me and the team, we really came up with this was a, a process that we should attempt. So we started to do daily patient satisfaction surveys, and we have been doing them since 2007, always with the goal of um, achieving the, the, our goal was to achieve 90% sat, um, not, not 90% satisfaction, but actually having our patients score us as excellent 90% of the time. So the goal was really to shoot for excellence, not just average satisfaction. Um, because when you put the average satisfaction and the excellent, it kind of comes always, it always came up for us in the high 90s. But when you strip away the averages, then all of a sudden it drops. And so our goal was always to be rated at 90% excellent scores. Um, and, and so that was our goal. And through the survey process, what we really um, have attempted to do is to identify areas for improvement so that we could make them at our, at our workflow, at our site levels, so that that could hopefully drive uh, and, and a, a whole culture of excellence that exists at Urban Health Plan. Terrific. Well, congratulations on achieving such high marks from your patients. Mark, can you walk us through some of the steps, beginning with the early stages? Uh, let's say through, you, can use, you can use Urban Health Plan as an example of how our listeners would go about starting a survey and, and how the process works. Yes, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I recognized in, in prior to um, starting the Crossroads Group when I was a consultant, uh, I did consulting for HRSA and I did a lot of healthcare consulting. And I saw a lot of gaps in what organizations were collecting in terms of data, whether they were hospitals using a large vendor and I was, I'd be working on, let's say, a telemetry or a med search floor, and they were the managers of those areas could not really use the patient survey data because it wasn't actionable for a number of reasons. One of the big reasons was sample size was insufficient uh, when you would drill down to a floor, or I would work with community health centers that were collecting survey data on their own, and I saw a whole host of issues, starting with the way the data was collected, the bias of the staff in terms of who was being selected for the survey. Uh, oftentimes, staff would select the patients with the smile as they were walking out the door, or they would collect data when they weren't as busy, which would skew the results artificially high. And then on top of that, you had issues with patients being hesitant to share any negative feedback while they were still with the clinicians that were taking care of them. Um, so those issues all, you know, made me realize there was a huge gap uh, between 
what community health centers in particular were collecting and what they needed to collect if they wanted to actually act on the information. And so some of the elements that we incorporated early on in our survey process were the fact that we were a third party. So we would contact the patients after the visit because you can't really survey a patient before the visit uh, because they haven't, they can't evaluate the visit until after the visit. Um, and we were unbiased. So we were a neutral third party. Um, so patients felt very open and candid and sharing their, their feelings about the visit, both the good, the bad, the ugly, anything that was on their minds, they were pretty carefree in, in sharing with us. Uh, we would make the survey confidential. So we gave patients and respondents, in the case of parents, the option to be uh, sharing feedback at a, on a conf confidential level so they didn't have to worry about going back and facing a clinician that they just rated as poor, let's say. Um, and then we would uh, incorporate random sampling, which is very important. So it wasn't a convenient sample, it's a random sample. So if you want a representative sample, it really needs to be a random process. Um, we were getting the data feeds from Urban Health daily. That was one thing that uh, Paloma was very passionate about, was that we would contact patients very, very quickly after the visit. Uh, we were focused on the last visit, the last experience, so a lot of community health Patients come multiple times throughout the course of a year. We were focused on really capturing the feedback uh, from that last experience so that urban health could evaluate when they get their reports, they could really see what's happening recently so they can assess the impact of changes that are being made both at the process level and at the staff level. Uh, PDSAs were very uh, a big part of the culture of urban health, so they were often piloting best practices at the site level or department level. And our process enabled Urban to get rapid feedback um, and drill down that feedback to a very uh, localized level, both at uh, you know, specific reception areas uh, when it came to wait time and, and courtesy and helpfulness of the check-in staff. Uh, the sites all got their own reports. Uh, we had the provider scores. And then the other big element of our process is that we – ensure that the sample size is not only significant at the aggregate organizational level, but also at the site level, also at the provider level, also at the department level, so that all of those areas can be assessed as part of the process. So process improvement, uh, organizational development, really when it comes to something as mission-centric as patient experience, because that's the reason why health centers exist at the end of the day is to serve the community and if you're going to collect data, it has to be done well, uh, because the worst thing you can do is collect data that's misleading, that's not collected uh, correctly, uh, and doesn't give you accuracy in terms of what you're measuring, and then you act on misleading information, you can do more harm than good. So our goal was to provide actionable information that can be used as a scorecard to assess the organization, to assess providers, to assess sites, but also information which is actionable throughout the organization and can be used to drive improvement. Terrific. Let's talk about that feedback and the results. Uh, once you conduct a survey and you start assessing the feedback and the results, how should one interpret that information and how do you look at that? How, do you, how did you use that information, Paloma? 
So uh, initially, and I, I just want to add um, to Mark, because um, we've always relied on him on determining what the sample size is, because it was important to us that we have a significantly large enough sample to really be able to to um, make some inferences from. Um, but one of the other things that we did early on was we did an importance survey so that we kind of understood what was important to us and what was important to the patient. And so that we designed our surveys around those areas. And I think that's really important because you could have an instrument that doesn't really get to what you're trying to accomplish. And we, again, wanted to be very actionable. So we were very clear on what were the areas that we were looking that were important to us. And those were the ones that we built our survey around. Um, and, you know, you forget all those things, like you go back in time, it was such a long time ago. Um, but so initially, we started getting the surveys at a very high organizational level. So um, the, the C-suite, would get the, the information and we'd look at it. And then after a while I said, well, this is nice, but we're not like, how are we going to use this? So we started including all of our site directors and giving them access to the, to the surveys. And, um, and then Mark and I came up with an idea that Mark would meet with all the site directors on a monthly basis, which he still does. And for each one of them, each site director has to identify, um, interpret their data, right? And so what, what is going well, what's not going well, and what, and what uh, steps are they taking to make improvements? And I think that that really helps not only to drive improvement, but to really create a learning environment where all the other site directors are, are learning from their peers and able to make those changes, maybe even before they they come up as as a um, as something that they should be looking at. So it's just an overall um, real sense of service excellence that we're trying to to accomplish by drilling it down to that level, and then those site directors actually share that data with their staff, with their providers, and we use the data uh, so. Doctor's Day is is tomorrow, actually. So we use that data to identify who the doctor of the year is. Um, and so we, we use it to really uh, integrate it into other activities within urban. So I, I think that's really the critical point is that you're able to drill it down deep enough into the organization so it's meaningful and at the same time integrate it into other activities that are happening within the health center. So again, it has, it has that duplicative feel of um, really resounding with the staff that this is important. You know, and just to add to that, one of the things that Paloma and her team did that was really well received and helped engage the staff is that they uh, they would recognize the, the sites and the departments within the larger sites that scored highest over a period of time. I think it was quarterly. And uh, they had a, a trophy a service excellence cup. It looked like a Stanley, Stanley cup. <laughs> yeah. It looked just like the Stanley <laughs> cup. It was gigantic. And I would visit the sites and I would see that cup proudly displayed in the area that, that was being recognized. So the staff loved it. They would put it right there where patients could see it uh, proudly displayed. Um, and it was really a nice way to build some positive 
incentives around these scores and encourage staff to take ownership as a team. It was a very good team building tool because we get everyone unified towards that goal, uh, that macro goal of, of providing excellent service as Paloma often says. And, um, and it was very positive. And then on the flip side, if there were sites that weren't scoring well, there was an expectation of those site leaders, or if it was a, a department, let's say the call center, for example, we met uh, a couple years ago with the call center because the scores were really not doing well as it related to that. And so we got together with the leaders of the call center and we talked about, okay, let's look at your survey results. Let's read some of the comments to read, you know, hear what patients are actually thinking in terms of why they scored things the way they did. And uh, that drove performance. So at the end of the day, every question on a survey really has to be owned by a stakeholder or multiple stakeholders within the organization if you want to drive improvement. Yeah, the, um, and I'm so glad you raised the cup because the pandemic has done so many crazy things to us and has undone so many very good things that, that were going on in the organization. So I just made a note to make sure that we um, that re- we restore the cup because the cup, um, it, 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 I remember, so we started out having this, it's a huge Stanley Cup. It really is huge. And I would bring it to every site that won, right? And so we've changed that now. So the site who is giving it up has to bring it to the other site. So it's kind of interesting, even those dynamics, because the the site that's giving it up realized that um, their scores weren't as good as somebody else's scores. So that just adds a little bit to the friendly competition that we have. But I, I have a story that I was carrying this cup to one of the sites and I, I was coming out of my car and some random man in the street, he looked at me and he said, you're bringing that to that clinic, right? They deserve it. That's really good. So even at the community level, there's recognition that uh, we measure service and we measure, you know, just, just how well people perform. And if I can just mention one other thing, uh, Paloma mentioned the pandemic and Urban Health was the first community health center back in March of uh, 2020 that contacted us right when the pandemic was reaching our shores uh, in New York, in New York in particular. And they told us that they were looking at the questionnaire and they said, we need to really adapt this questionnaire because the world has really changed dramatically. And these questions aren't really appropriate right now for the environment of care that, that we're in. And so we worked very closely with their leaders and we made adaptations to the survey for telehealth We had questions about the new triage process uh, that was being implemented to screen for COVID uh, patients that were coming in. We made a number of changes to the questionnaire that were rolled out right away in March, April of 2020. And that led us to do that nationwide across the entire country. But Urban was the first to recognize the need to make some changes to the questions uh, in light of the new reality. Yeah, you know, um, it, it's amazing how much the surveys and crossroads has become part of urban. Uh, we use them not only for these nightly surveys that we do all the time, but also to spot check things. So as we um, roll out a program or we do something, the staff will say, well, can we use Crossroads to do a survey? So we just completed a survey around our home visiting program, and we wanted to see what was the reaction of other patients. Did they like it? What could be improved? And so I I think, um, I, I really think using a third party 
is critically important. Um, it really takes the bias out of the whole process. And then really at the senior most level, trying to figure out how do you integrate this deep down into your organization uh, really has the best benefit and the best value. Terrific. Uh, two questions here. Uh, Mark, how does one integrate the survey process into their health center? What are your suggestions for that? And I'm also wondering how these surveys are distributed to patient populations. Are they sent via email after a, an appointment, or do you send them via text? How, how does that work? That's a great question. Uh, we use all the methodologies, but we found over many years that there's nothing that can replace a good telephone, uh, computer-assisted telephone interview um, in Spanish and English, and sometimes other languages as well. Uh, we implement surveys via text, email, mail, point of contact. We've done every methodology, and and we there are there is a place for those methodologies, uh, but generally speaking, for community health centers, there's nothing better than a phone survey, and there's a few reasons why. Uh, one is that it gives us the ability to better manage the the sample size outcome. So all of our projects are defined in terms of sample size outcomes, not attempted surveys like other vendors. So if a client uh, organization says, you know, we want uh, 50 surveys minimum at each location, or we want minimum of 10 surveys per provider per quarter, we can realize that objective much more so using the telephone methodology because we can manage that sample size as we go. Whereas with an electronic or a mail survey, you send out the surveys and it's like rolling dice. You don't know uh, how that distribution is gonna end up at the end of the day. Uh, we use hybrid methodologies sometimes as well where we combine some email with phone. The other thing with phone is you get a lot more detail on the comments, you get better validity because respondents understand the questions better. Uh, when they're on the phone, then, you know, if reading level is an issue, that's, that goes away on the phone. Uh, most people can communicate pretty effectively on the phone. The other big thing with phone is you get the best representation of your population because whenever you use electronic or mail, you're going to leave out some groups in your, in your population that don't have access to email or don't use email. Maybe they don't have cell phones. Maybe they have limitations on their cell phone plans and they don't want to answer a text message. Um, so you get the most inclusive representation using the phone. As far as how we start a project, it's very simple. Uh, we design the questionnaire. We have a question bank of over 200 questions uh, the organization can select from. We have core questions that are heavily benchmarked to over 100 community health centers around the country. We do state benchmarking as well. Uh, we, get, we coordinate with the IT folks to uh, ensure that we can get the secure exchange of the encounters. Uh, that includes the, the patient, uh, the parent guardian in the case of children, the age of the respondent, demographics, we get all of that. Uh, and then we begin the process. You know, Once we have the questionnaire designed and we have the data that we need for sampling, <clears throat> we take care of 100% of the process from that point forward. What percent of the population uh, typically responds to a survey? Uh, typically with the phone methodology, we get 40% participation. Uh, so for every 100 patients that we're trying to reach, we'll get 40% <clears throat> participation rate. Um, with electronic modes, that percentage decreases quite a bit. 
uh, with email. It depends on the organization, the quality of the data that they maintain, but usually you're looking at a five to 10%, sometimes a 15% um, response rate with emails. And then with text, you're usually at around 3%. It's the lowest, and especially if you have too many questions. Uh, people don't like answering uh, surveys on, a, on their smartphones if there's more than a handful of questions. So if I if I could just add, I, I think um, I think there's got to be a, a differentiation as to why people do surveys, right? And so there may be a check the box, right? And so I don't know if, it, if for NCQA you're required to do a survey. So you do the survey and you check the box, right? And so for us, it was more than just checking the box. It was really trying to build a culture of excellence and really going way beyond what we thought we could do. Right. And so the richness of those comments, I would say that's the real value of the surveys. It's not the score, but more so those comments, which give you real, real insight. I can't tell you how many comments we get in a month. It's, it's overwhelming. Um, but it's there that you're able to find the opportunities for really making change within your system. Yeah, and the biggest thing I think Urban Health did a couple years into our engagement with them is uh, Paloma sat the leadership team and myself down, and we discussed how do we get the broader staff more engaged in this process? How do we take it from the C-suite uh, on down, all the way down to the frontline staff? And the answer to that question was what Paloma alluded to earlier it, it was engaging the site leaders, you know, because that's where the rubber meets the road, engaging department heads as well uh, with, the, with the, co the collection of the data and then recognizing those areas that do well. Um, and then also having an expectation that areas or sites that aren't scoring well need to address that, you know, need to have an action plan uh, to improve the patient experience in areas where the scores are below target. Great. <clears throat> This question is for both of you. Uh, what suggestions would you have for our listeners at you know, a community health center seeking to start a patient service, a patient survey program, and uh, how how should they get started? Um, I I think again, just to reiterate what I just said, is really number one: understanding why you want to do this. Um, if it's just for compliance purposes, you probably could do your own text messaging, if you will. I mean, there's just lots of ways to check a box, right? But if you really want to drive improvement, then, then the approach that we've taken at Urban, I would strongly suggest. Um, I, I think, again, thinking about what is important to you as an organization? Because you know, you intrinsically know, are my patients waiting too long? Are my doctors nasty? Like, you know. And from there, you could then select the right questions so that the design of the survey is really customized for what you intend to accomplish. And then figure out how you are really going to drive improvement um, as I've said, into the organization and what else can you possibly take that's happening in the organization and integrate it so that the survey becomes a real part of the fabric of your organization. But I think it really starts with understanding why and what's important to you. 
Yeah, and the other thing I'll, I would add to that is just make sure that you trust the data that you're using because I can't overemphasize how important that is. If you're going to be holding providers accountable to their scores, you know, if you're going to be tying incentives to your scores, if you're going to be holding managers accountable, if you really want to drive improvement, you have to trust the data. It has to have what we call face validity, meaning that when you look at those results and you see the individual provider scores or you look at the site scores or you see the scores for an area that you know is not doing well, um, those scores should line up with the reality that you know to exist. And one of the things that gets me really excited is when we have a new client and we share that first report with them and they look at those scores and they see the low scoring providers and they say, we knew it. <laughs> we knew those providers were not going to score well. Or when they see a certain reception area that they know they have someone that's generating complaints at the front desk, for example, and they see that that reception area is scoring lowest or on the flip side, you know, where they see areas that they knew were scoring well, um, that's face validity. And when that happens, it builds trust. It helps them to feel confident in using these uh, survey results to drive improvement in the organization. But the worst thing you can do, and most of the clients that we engage have come from one of two places. I would say about 75% of them have been trying to collect survey data on their own and they just got tired of it. It was either too laborious, uh, it was too slow, uh, they didn't trust the data. It was like Palomo saying it was a check the box activity, but it wasn't useful beyond that. Um, so that's where most of them come from. And then the other 25%, I would say, worked with other vendors and there were limitations with those vendors, usually around sample size, just not being sufficient, um, especially when you would drill, drill down um, and that's what makes us unique is that we we um, define every project in terms of completed surveys rather than attempted surveys. So we get the results that that our clients expect. Yeah, I would I would just add that um, having attempted to do the surveys ourselves, I've learned through the years and a lot of experience that what we do best is see patients. Right. That's what we do best. We don't we're not a survey company. Uh, so we could attempt to do it, but we're never going to do it as well as someone who professionally does surveys. And I feel that way about a lot of things that we all embark on. And we're, we're not experts in those things. What we are good at is seeing our community residents and assuring that they get good quality help. And so everything else that surrounds that, um, to me, should be should be looked at as how, how do you bring the best value into the organization? And for us, Crossroads has provided exactly that. So leave the the work to the experts like Mark. Mark, how would our listeners get in touch with you and learn more about Crossroads Group and your services? Absolutely. Uh, we have a website, uh, crossroadsgrp.com. Uh, they can reach me toll free at 888-412-0160 or by email inquiry at crossroadsgrp.com. Terrific. Well, thank you both for joining us today. There was just a lot of valuable information and insight into the survey process. Uh, really eye-opening. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much. My pleasure. And to learn more about Commonwealth Purchasing Group and how they can help your organization by streamlining cost 
in boosting efficiency, visit cwpurchasing.com. My name is Sean Horrigan, and thank you for joining us for Central Focus.